Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, recorded from our mobile studios in Springfield, Oregon. Today's show is brought to you by the Herbal Nerd Society. As ever, they always make it possible for us to continue to produce and do these podcasts. If you want to become a member of the Herbal Nerd Society, it's really simple. You go to the homepage, thepracticalherbalist.com, and at the very top it says join. Click there and you'll see the the buy or the join now button and you'll see the other things that we're doing. So um, remember with the Practical Herbalist, you're really helping us, support us by providing us a server space and the bandwidth that we need to get this information out to you. Uh, in addition, there are other things that the Herbal Nerd Society uh, has. Candace? Well, the Urban Nerds, Herbal Nerd Society has a whole bunch of articles that are written specially for them each month. They offer us support and um, over this next year. We have a whole ton of changes. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we have a lot of changes that have begun to pop up. We've been working on a lot over the last um, few months. Um, the first of those, you'll probably notice the website starting to look and feel, starting to change a bit there. You can look for a new launch of a new look and feel over um, beginning January 1st. Uh, we're going to be taking hiatus to make that happen. Right, yeah, Candice, you've already been working on some of the menu structures have changed, some of the tagging has changed to try to help uh, people find what they're looking for. Um, we're really excited about um, some of the appearance changes we're going to make that will hopefully allow you to have more entry points into some of our articles. I mean, if you may or may not know, there's over 800 articles and recipes on the Practical Herbalist, and it seems to us that you know maybe 15 to 20 of them will get the most traffic, so we want to bring up some of that um, old gold, if you will, and, and one of the new designs is going to allow us to bring that up to the front. So some of the articles that are, that are there that you may not have seen before uh, will come up to the forefront. And it's you know good information that's not being seen and, and, and used. So we want to, part of that redesign is to do that and to refresh. It's been probably four or five years since we had a redesign of the, of the website. So that's what we're going to be working on on hiatus to have a you know first of the year launch on. Uh, another big change that you may have seen is um, uh, Sue. Uh, our, our third part is uh, moving into uh, doing a website and uh, business called The Integrated Herbalist, and she's already made an announcement on Facebook, uh, and into the, uh, at the Practical Herbalist Facebook page, that that's where that is going. And we're really excited for it, Candice. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have known or are aware, but Sue is like the national expert on integrated clinics and how from both an herbalist and a medical perspective, how to create and maintain and efficiently run a clinic that includes both doctors and nurses and you know classic standard medical practice with folks like herbalists who are completely unlicensed and draws on the use of alternative or what we've called alternative therapies like acupuncture, massage therapy, and similar uh, modalities. And so she knows how to do that. She's got a lot of experience with that, and she's starting to move more into teaching and serving the community, um, our herbal community, by teaching them so that we can start to create this model nationwide and hopefully, you know, expand. So we're really excited to see Sue doing that over this next year. Right. I think that's really where her passion has, has been for the last few years, that she really is um, focusing on that. And I think, you know, we'll still have her available on the podcast every now and then, and she may be writing for us every uh, occasionally. But, you know, it's, it's a supportive uh, uh, arrangement partnership between the two of us mm -hmm. and, and to make sure that, you know, she's successful and we're successful and, and we, as we move forward into our different paths. Um, so anyway, so that's another big thing you may have noticed is, is that the Facebook page has kind of changed. So 
with that being said, um, she's going to uh, roll the practical herbalist current practical herbalist Facebook page into the integrated herbalist, and we are going to create another um, Facebook presence for the practical herbalist, and we want or hope that people will come there and, and join and like as they've done on that one. We figured that would be a really great way to get her moving on uh, the social media part of her business because you know she spent so many years working on that and building that um, for the practical herbalist, and we just thought that was a, a way to, to keep that momentum for her moving instead of starting from scratch. So that's, um, that's the biggest news, I guess, and uh, we're really excited about the new year and where the directions are going, and we hope that you are too. And as always, uh, you know, uh, support us by becoming a, a uh, Herbal Nerd Society member. It, again, it does help us do what we're doing here. Anything else, Candace? I think that's it. I'm looking forward to talking with Maya. So. All right. Well, uh, since we probably won't talk to you again, happy holidays, happy new year, and uh, from all of us here at the Practical Herbalist, and we will be in touch with you soon. Now, on with the show. The magic of plant medicine is that it helps us dive deep, soar high, and generally figure ourselves out one way or another. Sometimes the path can look like a global hike through wilderness and a deep urban living that opens us to new adventures and ways of living or being we never imagined possible. Today we're talking with Maya Toll, author of The Illustrated Herbiary and Illustrated Bestiary and founder of The Herbiary Shops in Philadelphia and in Asheville, North Carolina about apprenticing with the plants and the many twists and turns the herbal life can yield. Now, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And And welcome welcome to to Real Herbalism Radio. Welcome, Maya. I am so happy you're here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, we're we're looking at, we're starting our day. And looking at these these books that you you uh, made and, and the accompanying cards and pretty darn impressive. Yeah, the illustrations and stuff. It's so gorgeous. So this is fun. This is yeah, really fun. It really is. Yeah, deep, rich colors, beautiful concepts. And uh, I, I know this is probably something that you have just been immersed in for a while. You, you also yeah, – you- go ahead. <laughs> No, I was just about to say that, you know, the the book process is its own thing. Um, And it is, it's totally immersive. And I was really lucky to have an incredible illustrator, Kate O'Hara, and um, a publishing house, Storybooks, who, you know, took my words and turned them into these luscious creations. Yeah, yeah. It looks like it must have been a really fun project to be working on. It was. (laughs) Still is. We're, you know, we're still very much... In it, the third book in the series is called The Illustrated Crystallary, and that will come out June 9th of 2020. Right. Yeah, I know. We're, you're not done yet. I yeah. can hardly wait. <laughs> no. So wonderful. did you set out in life to be writing magical books about plants and herbs and rocks and, you know, this sort of thing? Was that your plan? When you were six years old, were you like, I'm going to be an herbalist when I grow up and an author? She probably said yeah, in the Valley Girl. When I was, when I was too, six yeah. years old, I knew what an herbalist was. Yep. Uh-huh. You no. did? You, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say you did. <laughs> no. Um, I, grew, I grew up in Pennsylvania. My dad was a lawyer. My mom was a family therapist. I, you know, I grew up with Western medicine. I have Wait, all my shots. And hold on, hold on. Your, you had a parent that was a lawyer and the other one was a, a counselor? Yes. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. That must Bless have been... your heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There were no hippies in my family lineage. Um, <laughs> so, so I had no idea what an herbalist was. Um, and, you know, probably like well into my 20s or even my early 30s, I had no idea what an herbalist was. Um, I did know what magic was. You know, I was I was a, a reader from an early age and like eating up Tolkien and um, Lloyd Alexander and uh, nice. the Narnia books and things like that. So um, I was always, always interested in other versions of how we're going to see our lives and the world around us. Um, and I was a horseback rider. So, you know, very much linked into being with the animals, being outside. Um, you know, my awareness of herbs at that point was more along the lines of what are the horses eating than yeah. <laughs> you know, the plants as their, as their own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's uh, what are the horses eating? That's how we have Essiac formula. So that's absolutely definitely yeah. a step into herbalism for you right there. Yeah. So what ended up actually moving you off the very Western style medicine and mainstream path into this wilderness? Um, Like many of us, I got sick and Western medicine didn't know what to do with me. Um, I, you know, it's, it's one of those probably now it might've fallen, fallen into like the chronic fatigue category. Um, But at the time there, they didn't have, any language for it. They kept looking at my blood work, which was, you know, all over the place. My, my blood sugar was up. It was down. It was Mm. left. It was right. My thyroid was goitered, but my tests were normal. And I was so exhausted. I could hardly hold my head up. Um, and my medical doctor at the time was studying Chinese medicine and she was, she was new to Chinese medicine and she was also a young doctor. You know, she wasn't Mm. institutionalized yet. Yeah. And and she said to me, um, I know enough to know that you're not going to find your answers in Western medicine. And nice. these types of patterns are something that I'm beginning to see in my studies of Chinese medicine. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. these these medicines that are more pattern based yeah. um, are where you need to go. And I was living in New York City at the time and she kind of just like sent me off into the wilds of New York City. And I <laughs> trooped through the offices of homeopaths who were in these like dingy little basements under, under apartment buildings. And um, oh, you know, nice. it was, it was 30 years ago. And I think that um, sometimes I even forget how far we've come in 30 years, yeah. you know, like now you go to your acupuncturist and they have a sign out on the street and they have a regular waiting room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's yes. not like this oh. little shifty hole in the wall office that you're not even sure you should walk into. Yeah. And some of them even take insurance. <laughs> yep. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, in yeah. Oregon, our state insurance pays for acupuncture. Yeah. Which is fabulous. Yep. yep. So we've come a long way and, um, you know, that for me was when I started realizing that the world was a little different than what I'd been told growing up. Right. You know, that, right. So it wasn't just, oh, now there's herbal medicine. It was a huge paradigm shift for me that 
really kind of rippled out across all areas of my life. It was like, wait, everything I've been told isn't necessarily true. Wow. So how did that go over back at home? Were the family, so, <laughs> were your parents like, oh yeah, totally. Or were they more like, yeah. um, dear. <laughs> no, they were, they were pretty, they were pretty freaked out. Yeah. You know, um, they of course wanted to bring me home and run me through all their doctors. Cause obviously whoever I was seeing in New York didn't know what they were talking about. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that it wasn't just that they were freaked out. It was that I was in a position, it wasn't like I woke up one morning and said, oh, all this Western medicine that I've been told is the way to go all my life. And, you know, my family was immersed in the professional community. So um, it wasn't just Western medicine is the way to go. It was dad gets on the phone and contacts, you know, the head of whatever at University of Pennsylvania and gets the name of the best guy. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was, it was like just very much a part of our lives and, and also the social circles that I was exposed to as a kid, um, because my parents were friends with other professionals, uh, right. in the, you know, in the medical fields and the healing arts and things like that. So, um, from, from me personally, it wasn't like I just woke up one morning and said, ah, the heck with that. You know, it was a real struggle because I was oh, being yeah. sent to do things that I didn't believe in. Right. And I thought I had to believe. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, I, like I started to realize that there was religious thinking going on here. That yeah. um, I believed in the Western medical system and the the way that the doctors treated me, and that I had to break down that belief system to even allow myself to try something else. Yeah. Um, and so that was it. That was not the work of a day or a week. No, no, that would be an evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's not supposed. It's not supposed to be designed that way either. I mean that. Science is is the opposite of religion. It's a, you're supposed to ask questions. And I recall from going through the kind of process 30, 40, 50 years ago is they the hierarchy was set up so much that you don't question doctors, you don't question institutions. You certainly uh, you certainly weren't going to get any help. You're just going to be considered a wingnut if you did that. But that's mm-hmm. that's not. That's not actual science. You're supposed to ask questions and expect things to change and expect things to evolve naturally. So it's nice to see more of a a, a scientific version of uh, the way we do healing with the introduction of alternative medicine. It's kind of yeah. not, I'm sure, not what other people expected to happen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think that that was a big part of the mind shift for me was realizing that, you know, doctors were calling what they were doing science, but they really were not involved in scientific inquiry. Mm, yeah. They were marching lockstep um, to whatever they'd been told however many years ago in medical school. Mm-hmm. And that was like, for me, that was part of being able to break this open for myself as soon as I realized that, you know, I was being sold a package of goods mm-hmm. under the heading of science mm-hmm. and that, that science was this um, monolithic thing that you weren't allowed to question and then right. hold on a sec. Which is the so opposite of what it's supposed how to be. how you do scientific inquiry, right? Yep. Um, yeah, that began to crack it all open. Mm-hmm. So where did you go from there? 
How did you get past, you know, you, you, you started that, you worked with your parents, I assume, to help them understand what you were doing? A little bit, but more than anything else, um, you know, I'm, I've never been, I've never been a mommy's girl or a daddy's girl. It's always kind of been like parents get in line with me as opposed to the other way around. So, you know, I, I pretty much headed off to do what I was going to do. And then, um, what I noticed over the next five, six, seven years was that I started getting phone calls from people saying, Hey, remember when you had the flu, you were sick for four days and everyone else was sick for, for two weeks. Right. What do you do that's different than what, what we did. And then the nature of the phone call started changing from, um, I know you've been through this. How did you do it? To, I know you've never been through this. Hey, I just got shingles. I, I know you haven't had them, but you seem like you've gotten into some other stuff. Do you have any ideas? <laughs> nice. And so then I yeah. researched for other people and, and like expanding my knowledge that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't, you know, a lot of people um, are very devoted to herbalism as a singular path. For me, it was more everything that wasn't Western medicine in the beginning. Mm. Right. right. And, and that's actually what it is now too. It's been, and some Western medicine, because there's some things that are fabulous and that work really well. I always tell people, please do not take me to an herbalist or an acupuncturist if I've been in a car accident. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because the herbalist would turn you away too. Like, oh, you are in the wrong place, my friend. Yes. But yeah. If, this, it, if, you know, a religion is the worship of nature and nature is part of science, then they, they need be integrated. So that's yeah. kind of, you like, it's natural for people when they realize the thing that they were told is the end all be all. They reject it completely, like we do with our parents when we're teenagers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of feel like that's where science and medicine have been at for a while, is they've been rejecting. Because I mean, science was science and medicine are born from religion. Mm-hmm. That, that's where it all began. Yeah, with the church and, and you then, know, and in an inquiry, there was inquiry both in the church in that time, and there was also inquiry into science and the nature of being. Yeah. Galileo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Plato, there's a, a long line of those rebels doing exactly what you're doing. Yeah. So yeah. it just depends on how big the institution is, whether it's the Greek Isles in, in the case of many of the people that have changed stuff, Galleon, for exact example, uh, or whether it's entire Western civilization, which is what <laughs> we're doing now. Yeah. And I, I think that what I've learned from this is the most important thing is is critical thinking. I actually just re- recently like redid my little Twitter. You know, you have your like twenty seven mm-hmm. word bio yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, um, and I said something like, um, "Believes critical thinking and talking to plants are not mutually exclusive." Yes, nice. thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> it's always been. I'm I'm involved in politics, and it is my philosophy that anyone who gets a political office first has to take a class on critical thinking skills. Yeah. <laughs> they're in charge of a lot of money. They're in charge of a lot of people. They should know how to think. And I know that's not fashionable, <laughs> but I think that's vital. Have you seen those bumper stickers, critical thinking, the other national deficit? Oh, no, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that's my new tattoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. That's it's, good. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's interesting to me. I was a philosophy major in college. So perhaps in some way I set myself up of a life of, you know, I set myself up for this life of breaking down the boxes yeah. and forcing myself to have to rethink everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, n- there's nothing that you can just kind of take hold and be like, yep, got it just the way it is. It's everything needs to be broken down and filtered through your personal experience yes. and your, your intuition and your intellect need to find that balance where they're working together to come up with your daily version of reality. And I say daily because mm-hmm. I, you know, I do think that one of the things, like one of the, the tensions that we are constantly in as human beings is we're trying to create stability for ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like if mm-hmm. you think about this in the most physical realm, um, you know, we're trying to find our house, our home, our partner, you know, we, we furnish it, we plant our garden, we want roots, we want stability. Yeah. Um, and yet at the same time, it's the things that are outside of that stable structure, um, which cause us to grow and, and expand and evolve. Right. right. You got to push roots well, through your own soil. Yeah. And you like you went globetrotting to really, you know, shake things up and and (laughs) and and create a new filter or a new experience for yourself. Right. Yeah, I did. So after, oh, I guess it was it was probably a good seven years of, of studying on my own and studying herbs, but also studying, a you know, a bunch of different healing and mystical traditions. Um. I was, I mean, I had just gotten one of those lucky situations. I had a house in a small factory town in upstate New York, and one of the big New York City museums decided to open a sculpture center there. Mm-hmm. And after that sculpture center opened, the the value of our real estate tripled. Nice. And so my little Victorian house that I bought for $87,500 was suddenly worth three times that. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was, I was a school teacher at the time and, um, you know, I made more selling that house than I'd made in like five years combined income. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, so I, I gave myself a year off, um, you know, and that was like, that was it. It was just kind of like, I'm taking a year off. I'm on sabbatical for a year. I have money and I can go have fun. Um, and I, I wasn't sure what that meant. Mm-hmm. So nature pours a vacuum. I decided I better, you know, fill this intentionally instead of having this space filled unintentionally. And I sat down and I made a list of everything I'd ever wanted to explore more deeply. And that list included everything from, you know, pottery to metal smithing to jewelry making <laughs> to herbalism. Mm-hmm. And um, I had that list. And then a couple days later, I had a dream like a sleeping dream, not an I have a dream dream. <laughs> and uh, uh, a woman with long, dark hair flew me over the ocean and she showed me an island that was was covered in trees, but I knew it was Ireland. And she said, this is where you're going to be initiated. And wow. so I woke up in the morning and this was this was before Google. So I was using the AltaVista search engine. I don't know if remembers that. Um, and I, and I kept typing in Ireland plus pottery, Ireland plus jewelry, Ireland plus herbalism. And, um, you know, I was getting very few hits 
both because the internet was a newer thing and, and also because I think fate just had it, its finger on me at that point. Um, and the one thing that kept coming up was the woman who became my teacher in Ireland. So, um, I just flew over. I signed up for a two month class with her and, after a month, I started pestering her to keep me. (laughs) (laughs) Can I stay? Can, you know, don't you want an apprentice? Mm -hmm. Um, And the truth is she really didn't, Um, (laughs) you know, and and anyone who's ever had an apprentice understands that it's a very difficult model. It's a very intimate model. Yep. Um, It's it's a lot of work. A lot of work, a lot of time. Both sides of the table there. Yeah. Yeah. And apprentices always say, but I will help you. will you will you (laughs) so were you a helpful apprentice um I think that I was a mix you know (laughs) and and like I think that I was a mix and some of it was like there are a couple different layers to it I think that um she was very good at slotting me into pre-existing classes sending me out to gather things um planning trips. Like we, we traveled all over Ireland to different sacred sites. That was amazing. Oh, wow. But she wasn't as good at, um, giving me like big projects yeah. that I could just throw at my own pace. And so there, you know, there were things that like, she wanted things the way she wanted them. And so there were times that I was like, I don't know what to do right now. And I could be being helpful, but I'm scared to touch anything. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> So it's a, it's an interesting tension because I was also living with her and I didn't have a car and we're in the middle of nowhere in Ireland. So you have this person plunked into your home who's like a baby, like, you know, like a baby chick constantly Mm -hmm. chirping. What can I do? What can I do? Um, And I I think that that's exhausting for a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's apprenticeship is a real mixed bag. It sounds very romantic to people. Everyone is always saying to me, how do I get to do that? Um, the other piece is I paid her for my apprenticeship. Right. Right. And there's a reason for that. There, and there is a reason for that. And I think that many people, um, don't realize that, um, you know, you, you have to pay your teachers. Like, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, you charge? How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> it's for free. And I'm like, that's great. Go learn from the earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that That's one of those things that really frustrates me. There's this mythology in, at least in American herbalism and healing and spiritual practice in general, that it should all be for free. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't honor and respect the work and the energy it takes to learn to do the healing and the practices and make the medicines for the people that want them. Yep. So, because you have to pay yeah. bills and yeah. and and it takes well, time to teach people, right? Yeah. You have to put stuff aside. And, and I, I think it's based in you know the old like the old traditional practices where. Um, like the shaman didn't accept money or the medicine person in the village didn't accept money. And that was like a scene as a badge of honor, but that person was also completely taken care of by yes. the village. Right? Yes. So the person yes. change. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was, my teacher was a shaman and he said that for him, he accepted money because in America, that is the form of exchange. We really don't do trade or barter. 
like the electric bill has to get paid with money. Mm -hmm. So he accepted money and it took him a long time to get comfortable with that. But once he realized or really started thinking about what it was, it was all about energy exchange. Mm -hmm. And then he realized, oh, and if I don't accept energy from a client, they aren't invested. The healing doesn't work as well. Mm -hmm. Well, my teacher was a doctor, so she had no trouble taking money. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's also interesting. I had someone approach me on Instagram recently and they were saying, where can I go to learn the old ways? Where can I go to learn, you know, the traditional method of doing things? And I said, well, let's think about this. You know, human beings develop methods of doing something. And then if they are a living tradition, they're shifting the tradition, whether that's getting paid or shifting a formula um, with the times and with the location where people are practicing and stuff. So, you know, I said to her, if you want things in their original form, you're actually wanting to be an archaeologist. There you go. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you step into a living tradition, then there are so many wonderful teachers. And I think that it's such a mistake to think that only someone who does it the way it was done 2000 years ago is the person to learn mm-hmm. from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 People forget that the traditions were based on the science of the time. And if those ancient, ancient healers had access to even a fraction of the information we have now, they would be delighted because yes. our job as healers is to work with what we have. You know, if there was a, if there was a, a masking tape tree people would be all over it. If there was a a duct tape tree, people would be all over it. But they didn't have that kind of stuff. So they use what they had. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Even my my medical doctor um, today, you know, just because something exists doesn't mean that um, different, like different people have access to different things. So I had this incredible revealing stool test and my acupuncturist did it. She works with like some functional medicine doctors who, do these really amazing, very in-depth um, tests. Mm-hmm. And when I brought it to my MD doctor, she was like, oh, I so wish we could do this. Yeah. yeah. Poop tells no lies. <laughs> yeah. You can't hide from oh. the poop. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> you can't. That's, there's a term for that. It's knowing your stuff. Well, knowing yourself, <laughs> right? Knowing yourself. <laughs> or another S word. <laughs> I think it's in the context of, you know, yeah, we are constantly evolving the healing arts yes, and mm-hmm. always hoping that we can get more information, more knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, uh, go deeper yep. than we currently do. So going back 2000 years and saying like, that's the epitome, the be all end all. I, I want all I want is the old ways is is actually really hurting yourself. You're not getting to benefit from mm-hmm. thousands of progress. Yep. Yeah, Learn and, from the old and the new. And I think the wisest way to go is to expand and learn as much about different traditions as possible, which is exactly what you did, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so some of it was self-study and, you know, some of it, was being in the right place at the right time. So I actually got to lead a trip uh, to the Amazon. And for me, it was like I I was uh, teaching at a college. I was a professor of botanical medicine, which again, 30 years ago, that was 
existed. Yep. Um, it was in the public health program at Westchester University. And they have a sister program down in the Amazon. And so I was asked to take a group down to the Amazon. And I, I really didn't know what that experience was going to be, but I was incredibly lucky. Once I got there, they introduced me to my co-leaders, one of whom was um, a shaman. Uh, and he was a hereditary shaman. It nice. was through his family line. His uncle chose him to be the next shaman for the village, which that's its own story. And yeah. I, you know, mm-hmm. if we have time. I'd love to share because it's kind of fascinating. But the and other what a botanist person, he would be. <laughs> well, yeah, and and the Oof. other person actually was um, a scientist with the national botany program. Nice, good so combo. Had, nice. It was an incredible combo, and um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing I learned, truthfully, it it broke my reverence for the the path of the shaman for these nice. back to that idea of of the traditional healers having something that we don't and all um, romance romancing it like it's this other yeah there's this whole no romantic question. thing around yeah. it yeah well that that's yeah. that's kind of a theme for you isn't it <laughs> you did it with yeah. with western medicine now you're dealing it doing it with alternative medicine you're just a rebel uh, you know i think I think that for me, um, it's not one of one of the women on my on my work team calls me a contrarian, and I always say to her, "If you're a contrarian, you're you're purposefully doing you know doing something against the grain." Mm-hmm. But for me, it's just the way my brain works. Like I'm I'm really not purposefully trying to um, bust anything apart, but yeah. oftentimes I end up busting things apart. It's, yeah. it's it's the way I'm hardwired. And I it's, hear you, it's sister. It's kind of like not the black sheep, but the black goat. Mm. Well, you, just, you keep you keep <laughs> asking that- questions, you know. Yeah. And if, if if the answers are different than the answers people have been going for for a while, then there you go. You know those those questions and answers are just as valid. So you go, girl. You go. Oh, yeah, and I, I think that there's a closing our eyes sometimes to answers we don't want to hear, but I'm so curious about the human experience that when someone tells me something that's like outside of the box, I have Mm -hmm. to dig deeper. I'm so Mm -hmm. curious what, what their experience is. And so the shaman, what was fascinating was he was dumped in the Amazon at the age of nine. Mm. Um, (laughs) and was told to like, you know, you're going to go live in, in the forest and you're going to learn from the forest and he was miserable. He wanted to play mm. soccer with the other kids. He wanted to go to school. Um, his cousins would bring him food. Mm-hmm. They dropped food off for him every day. Aww. So he was supposed to like, you know, like be meditating in, in the jungle and his cousins would bring him his meals. Um, and all he wanted to do was go play with them. And so he actually escaped from being a shaman. He lied. He got into the army early, <laughs> like too young. Um, and it wasn't until he was in his forties or fifties, I don't remember exactly what the age was, that he felt a responsibility to his village mm-hmm. and he went back. Oh, good yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, honestly, traditional shamans, when they're <clears throat> chosen, it's not really, it's not a choice for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think, for the most part. but it doesn't yeah. mean it's a romantic, wonderful adventure that you know, legends are born from, it's more, it's hard. It's a hard and lonely life. And mistakes are making all the time. Mm -hmm. No, we humans have devised all of this stuff. Of course, there's going to be boo-boos. 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. honestly, in modern modern living, he would have needed to be able to serve his village properly. He can't just have the jungle's medicine. He needs the medicine of the urban world and the rest of the world, too. Mm-hmm. He needs both. Yep. So he probably actually followed exactly the path he needed to follow. And he probably did it the hard way. Yeah. Most of us do, yeah. don't we? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So amidst all of that, you have gathered a ton of knowledge of the practical or uh, physical side, the spiritual side of plant medicine, of working with animal energies and spirits, of working with crystals, and you managed to get a book deal? How did you do that? <laughs> How? What's your secret? <laughs> so, so, okay, Rosemary Gladstar is the secret sauce. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Rosemary and I both taught at the Mid-Atlantic. It was like four years ago, I think. And um, a few weeks later, I got this funny little email from her. And like, I didn't even know that she... Rosemary never seems to know anyone's name. She calls everyone sweetie. So, you know, she's been calling me sweetie for a decade and I just didn't even know that she knew my name. Um, And so I got this lovely little email from her that was kind of like, like, hi, Maya, Uh, have you ever thought about writing a book? I think you should write a book. Here's the name of my publisher. Love Rosemary. (laughs) And she phrased it like it was a question instead of a demand. Now, see, that's the magic of Rosemary Gladstar. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't a question, was it? (laughs) And it was also one of those, like, I just woke up thinking about this. Do you want to write write a book, sweetie? Yeah. Yeah, Like, (laughs) really? Um, So so I did the logical thing. I buried that shit deep in my inbox. Yeah. 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 Like when you get the call to step up, that's what you're supposed to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. <laughs> definitely try to avoid it and see yeah. if, see if that works for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. See how that, see how that happens. So, um, it was a good three or four months before I unearthed that. And at that point, I've been writing my whole life. And it turned out I didn't know this at the time that Rosemary was reading my blog. And that's oh, why. Uh, that a beautiful blog, I must say. Yeah. Thank you. So I didn't have that context. I just thought this was out of the blue. Um, and I was in a writing group. And I, I went to my writing group. And I said, what do you do when you get the name of a publisher? And there's a woman named Danielle Laporte. And for those you know folks who are like big into online learning and things like that, Danielle's a fairly big name. And she was one of the, the people in uh, running this writing group. And she, she said to the other woman, uh, Linda, who was running it, she said, I've got this one. And she's like, when someone gives you the name of an editor or publisher, you pull the car over and you dial. She's like, uh-huh. that's it. I'm done. Next question. And so it really made me realize in that moment that I'd been given a gift. Like I was thinking of it as, you know, oh, here's this like stressful thing. Another thing to do. (laughs) Another thing to do. How am I going to write a book? Um, And Danielle's comment made me realize that like I'd been given the gift that a lot of people really want. Yes. Um, Yeah. People like pay big money to go to huge workshops to try to get to the point where they might be able to even write a proposal that a book agent might even just look at, let alone, you know, actually consider reading. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's an interesting thing because as a writer, I love the art of writing and I've honed it over the years with the blog, but I've also always said, 
um, I don't want to write a book until I have something to add. Mm-hmm. There's so many, like you go to a used bookstore, yeah. there's a gazillion books out there. We don't need another book. Mm-hmm. Right. I hear you. We need, we need fresh thoughts and fresh ways of seeing things, but I didn't want to just add to the chatter out in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I womaned up and I got in touch with, with, um, this publisher and she was lovely. And so thus began it was probably more than a year relationship before we actually got to an idea that we both liked. Like I kept tossing her stuff and she kept going, no, not really interested in that. Um, and finally I was at one of those super expensive writing workshops, um, <laughs> mostly because I wanted to just have some spaciousness to, to, to write. I was working on my memoir and at the head of each chapter were these quirky little herbal descriptions. And when I would, we, we, you know, we'd get together every evening and read to each other what we'd been working on and people loved those descriptions. So I got home and I called the publisher and I said, I'm working on this memoir and I don't want to like rip apart the memoir. The memoir is not ready yet. It's not the kind of book you publish, but these quirky little descriptions, are you interested? Like maybe we can do um, like a tarot deck type of thing. And they said, great. And we started moving forward. And then um, a few months later, I got a call. Nope, this isn't going to work. Um, cards are sold in a different part of the bookstore. Like the, all those uh, Oracle cards and pro mm. cards are bought by the gift buyers. Yeah. And all of our sales team's contacts are the book buyers. Oh, so okay. we, can't, we can't do this deal. And I was like, wow. Um, I was so excited and it was such a knife to the heart. And then I went, I was teaching at the new England um, women's herbal conference and I ran into this publisher and I said, is this deal really dead? Like, can we not do this? And she said, we can't, like, we can't figure out, we can't figure it out. And I said, well, what if we just do it as a book? (laughs) Her head kind of spun around and she was like, what? I was like, well, if we put the same content in a book, why, why does it have to, you know, be, that other format. Yeah. And, and, and we move forward from there. And the funny thing is that they then went and put that envelope in the back of the book and made the cards. And I was against it. I thought that they were not going to be nice enough <laughs> and that people weren't going to like them. Mm. And I fought against those cards being in the book. So, oh. <laughs> oh. Yep. oh, you know what that makes me want to do right now. Draw a couple <laughs> cards here. Oh, geez. There we go. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that is hilarious. I can't believe that you fought against them. <laughs> I fought. I fought so hard. I was like, people are going to hate them. You know, it's a very tactile experience. They're going to have like those all those perforated things. And they, they kept saying to me, "We can make the perforations really small. We'll use a heavier stock." And still, people who really love cards are like, "They're flimsy." And I'm like, yeah. "You know what? They're a bonus with a twenty dollar book. Deal with it." Right. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I'm one of those people who really loves cards. And to be honest. I don't even notice the the perforations and stuff. I, I ignore that because I'm like, it's, it's a sweet, sweet little bonus. It's mm-hmm. fun sometimes. I mean, I've done the, you know, bibliomancy style, close your eyes, spin the book around a couple of times and open it to a <laughs> random page. But the cards are a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and they, you know, because the book did so well, they came out with this collectible box set, which has mm-hmm. a full size deck heavy stock gilt edges, like nice. all the pretty, pretty. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
That'll so be it's fun. amazing what success will do, right? Because that's what right. they couldn't have. That, that's what they couldn't figure out in the first place. Right, right. right. So I do actually. I am gonna. I'm gonna push you because I really want to try drawing a couple cards here. And okay. so I was thinking. What I'm thinking. Let's see if you you like it. Is we Sue and I have the herbiary deck here, so we'll draw yeah. like one card each, and then you draw at the same time. Why don't you draw one from the bestiary, and then let's talk about animal, mineral, vegetable, you know, the, the synergy of them. Mm-hmm. But we'll read the descriptions, too. Perfect. Sounds Perfect. good. So, yeah, here's here's my big thing with the cards. If you just draw a card, then it's a random card. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, to draw a card that's meaningful in the moment for you, you have to put some intentionality energetically behind it. So, um, you know, we're drawing a card that helps elucidate um, how we use the energetics of the three kingdoms, animal, vegetable, mineral in our healing work. Yes. Yes. I think that's a good one. Okay. okay. This right. is the first herb that I ever Okay. Go used. for it. Sue, Sue is always a little bit fast. She grabbed <laughs> one already. <laughs> so let's see. The herb that I draw, drew is oats. Just be. Mm, that's a good one for you. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that just reminds me like right off of um, kind of the the steps of healing mm-hmm. and that, that pause that we need to take before we jump in, before we start manhandling and woman handling and, yes. <laughs> you know, everything like there's just that, that moment of going, okay, yes, I need to energetically be with this situation and and feel into it and just know what it is before i act right so, get that get that e- email out of your inbox that's been sitting there for a couple months so very much would yeah. you like me to read the description from the book i i have it open do you want me to do it do it yes Ooh. please that's even better do it do I'm it like the reading Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> ah. okay so oats oh, just be Oat murmurs as you run your hands over her tops. She says as the wind picks up, trying to ruffle Oat's ever-present calm. If the breeze continues, she'll gently chide, chi-chi-chi-chi. But that's all the reaction you'll get as she rubs shoulders with her sisters, laughing quietly and murmuring that all really is well, despite what the wind, the radio waves, or the internet has to say. When you slip into stress, Oat smiles gently and runs her fingers through your hair. Stop grappling endlessly with your thoughts, she whispers. Soften to the wind, be open to the sky, and ground yourself in earth to know the truth of this one precious moment. That is just, that's beautiful. To me, it very much describes how we use oats in herbalism, Mm -hmm. you know, to help people with anxiety and stress issues and whatnot. Yep. Yeah. 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 And I think it's also um, a healing state we need to bring ourselves into. Yes. It's a, it's an intention. You have to intend to be yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's kind of like that foundational state from which other healing can begin. Yeah. Listening. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Sue's drawn one here too. Yeah. This is a, I got apple. And oh, I love that. I do too. So that was my first herb because of course, oh, there's the dog. Apple yeah. is uh, apple cider vinegar as just um, 
apple, you know, when you split your lip, you put a piece of apple on it and it heals it up with oh, pectin. Wait, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's got pectin. It's what's in surgical bandages too. Apple? Oh, pectin. pectin. <laughs> yeah, they stuck apples in there. You wonder why, yeah. The apple a day keeps the doctor away because they're like, oh, that lump's not me. Um, yeah, there's – think about how many things are because of apple as a foundation. So, yeah, that's a that's an awesome one. Um, well, and, and I think apple the second one I wrote. Rosemary oh. was first and apple second. Nice. <laughs> oh, fun. Do you want to read apple for us too? I'm going to get you to read it. Yay. Apple, forbidden fruit. Apple has been given grief since in the beginning when she learned that feeding people and teaching them to know themselves can be a dangerous thing. She became associated with snakes, shame, and fig leaves, and it's been all dance lessons, curtsies, and domestication from there. Apple is the witch of the wild wood, forced to clean up and come in for tea. But a skirt and pumps can't hide her knowledge of the circling stars and the cycling seasons, the deep loam of the earth and the warm weep of a summer rain. You may think that we've tamed wild apple and brought her to heel, but even quasi-domesticated, she still gifts us with the sweetness of understanding ourselves. Apple asks, what have you forbidden yourself? Hmm. That's really... It's so lovely in part because of what Sue does with working with Occupy Medical and the population of homeless people that she works with. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's potent. Yeah. Because you work with the, first, you know, it is, it's dangerous. It's, mm-hmm. it's a dangerous job you do. Yeah. And the, the people that I work with, they crave roots, deep mm-hmm. roots, and they're so variable. Like one of the things I love about apple is that every seed is a completely will give you a completely different tree from the same apple you put it down and you have an amazing diversity. And I've always been so proud of the diversity of the staff that I work with, doctors, nurses, herbalists, everybody working together and the places that people come from. Um, The fact that we also offer food to people, that everything is free. It's just the bounty of being, um, being able to have roots and give to those that are vulnerable the diversity of folks that we can help is because of the diversity of people that we are. And that's, that to me is a pretty big symbol as well. Mm. I love that. You know, I also love the way um, it kind of harkens back to the beginning of our conversation. You know, this idea of um, Western medicine, like we think we know what it is. It's this domesticated version of medicine that we think is safe and stable right right? yeah but it's kind of like apple like we've just buffed and polished it and uh you know presenting its shiny waxy surface but it's there's so much more than that yeah Mm -hmm. yes i think that's a really good connection yep and what you were talking about before about the person saying i want to learn the ancient ways no that's the same kind of thing there's this thing this polished version of what herbalism is supposed to be, but it, it never is. And that's, that's healing. It always changes. It'll change to the person and it change within their lifetime. And that's, that's the name of the game. That's why you have to keep listening. Like, like we were talking about with oats, you know, that's why you have to be mm-hmm. uh, aware of a diversity of tactics and put yourself past uh, being the administrator of healing and just being 
being delighted that you were able to be part of any kind of healing at all, whether that came directly from you or just because you were kind of next to it. It's an honor and it's an honor that needs to be shared. So that's a, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. And we need one more. We need an animal here. Well, (laughs) Well, interestingly, I pulled two, I have to admit. Yay. Um, (laughs) And the funny thing is that the, the first one that I pulled um, is black snake and this just happens to tie right into apple so black snake grow your truth many moons ago in a garden far away snake slid up to eve and said you have a choice while free will isn't evil it is complex it requires each of us to define our own moral center and know what we stand for without this knowledge it's easy to steer off course or be misled by smooth talkers and slick ideas <laughs> we grow, see through the rhetoric and acknowledge our own truth. Each true choice expands you until as you outgrow who you used to be, your past begins to bind and itch. Black snake slides in to remind you that growth requires release. She says, let go of what no longer serves so you can continue to expand into your truest self. Oh, very germane. Very germane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, to a certain extent, our culture is right at that point where we're, we need to itch off that skin. We're getting there. Yeah. The age of Aquarius, man. Yeah. <laughs> Things are changing. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's the reminder that, that the way we create that change is to think for ourselves and to yeah. see through um, the surface of things. Yes. You know, to yeah. see into that deeper layer and really apply those critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. The illustration is amazing for that one too, with the, the spinal yeah. column being Aaron's rod and uh, people just, I'm sorry, you're going to have to get the book and the cards in order to understand what we're talking about. We're not going to paint this whole thing for you. <laughs> get on it, folks. <laughs> well, and you know, what's funny about this is the second card I chose, um, which I kind of love as a, as a place for us to um, wrap it all together is River Otter, which is slide into joy. Oh, and, I, love and, I love that one. Well, and the snake has this rainbow motif and then River Otter does too. So it's like pulling that thread of, um, you know, I think of the rainbow as not just diversity, but also um, the fullness and richness of life and being able to see all of it, mm-hmm, right? All, yeah. all the different tones and shades and colors. And so River Otter this fashionista of the waterways stays warm in her plush fur coat by wriggling and squiggling, generating heat with her ridiculously high metabolism. River Otter's inner fire is fueled by constant snacking on crayfish and crabs. The cynical might say she's joyful because she gets to eat all day and not gain an ounce. But River Otter knows that when you're lit from within, life provides endless amusement. Take that muddy river bank, for instance. River Otter says, I see a water slide. Do you see it? River Otter reminds you to actively look for joy. She knows it's there waiting to be felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I, <laughs> I have a particular like love of River Otter and your description of River Otter um, just because it's that playful approach to life, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Yeah. And, and I think that it's also... Um, River Otter is such a good reminder that we get to choose the way we see the world. Mm-hmm. And so, 
you know, as we're doing kind of that shedding that snake requires, um, and we're getting to our new skin, you know, there's a, there's a perception thing. Mm-hmm. Like what, what gaze are you going to lay over this? Is it a muddy riverbank or is it a slide? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Is it yes. misery or is it joy? Yeah. Uh, Cause that muddy riverbank can be either. Yeah. It, yeah. it can be cold, wet slime or it can be incredible fun. Yes. And no matter, as Oates tells us, no matter what it is that everybody else has to say about it, you get to pick for yourself. Yeah. So if you want to see it as a slide, go for it and let the rest of them just be unhappy if that's what they want. Mm-hmm. Most likely they'll end up following you. Yep. Well, that's yeah. funny that that one came up because I was just talking to one of my herbalists last night about her work. Um, with um, people with addiction, that's her. That's her calling card. That's the thing that she loves most at working at Occupy Medical. And the conversation just moved into this whole thing of people come in and they they have their inner demon and they put that inner demon on the table and say, "This demon is making these." And I'm using it metaphorically, of course. This demon is making all these choices for me and it's hurting me. Well, then let's just cuddle that demon for a minute. Mm-hmm. Let's just snuggle it. And you are the keeper of that demon. You make the choices. And let's figure out how those things that that demon has to teach you can help you instead of hurt you. And that's, that's, the, whole, that's the whole deal with, with healing, particularly with addiction. So having that, I know it seems like it's not really tied, but it's the same thing. Like you look around, you find it, you pick it up in your own hands. Yeah. No. You choose how to view it. You choose. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, we've, we've kept you on this phone for a very long time yeah. and we are, we are very grateful. We hear that your dogs are saying, okay, enough. That was yeah. a great conversation. Yeah. We're all, we're all wised out now. <laughs> so, uh, how do people get a hold of you so they can learn more about the things that you're doing? Yeah. So my website is mayatoll.com, M-A-I-A-T-O-L-L.com. And that's really the best way to explore you know, all the different myriad things I have up in the air at any given moment. Um, with the social media, I'm, I'm on Instagram, a little bit on Twitter. I kind of avoid Facebook like the plague, although we do have a presence there. But, um, you know, it's more of a we use we use Facebook as a billboard. If you want real interaction, hit me on one of the other social media channels. OK. Yeah. All right. Well, lovely. Thank you so very much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. <laughs> All right. And as always, put an herb on it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.